Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Indie Elixir podcast. My name is Carter Bryden. And in this podcast, I talk about uh, side projects, indie projects that I'm working on, just kind of what it's like to be working on those with the Elixir programming language and, you know, frustrations, tips, things that I find, and just generally the the journey of someone who's either building things for fun on the side or more often I'm kind of trying to get these small business products going or, you know, sort of a, a side hustle going. So if you like that journey, this is a good podcast for you. And so it's been a long time since I recorded my last episode. I think it was over a year ago. You know, in the last year, there was the pandemic and everything. It's been very uh, crazy for me in my life. And so I actually took full-time work before I was freelancing a lot. And uh, just with the uh, with the pandemic going on, a lot of my freelance clients were finding that they had to tighten up their budgets because just more because of uncertainty than anything else. And so I, I thought it would be a good time to uh, take on some full-time work for a while with one of my larger clients who was going full steam ahead with some major projects that I've been working on for them. And so that's been going really well, but it also took a lot of time away from being able to work on some of my own side projects. And there was also just a lot Lots of other things always going on in life that I couldn't really justify working on side projects for quite a while. And because of that, I didn't have a lot to talk about on the podcast. I did actually record two episodes that I'm not going to post because I I never actually had time to edit them. And now, you know, their content's just sort of out of date and it doesn't really apply to anything that's going on anymore. But I think the last episode I was talking about a new project I was working on, Tapworks. And so that project was an Elixir build a pipeline system. So it was going to be a service where if you wanted to compile your Elixir projects, which for those of you who might not know, Elixir projects have to be compiled on something that matches their target OS and architecture if you want them to run on, you know, the the production server where it's built and compiled has to match that, which can be kind of difficult for especially for new developers and and small teams and things. It can be hard to figure out what's a good flow for that. So the idea behind that was you know, we would handle that for you. There would be an API. It would connect to your repos, spin up a Docker container that matches all your Elixir version, the Erlang version, which is what Elixir runs on, if you if you don't know that. And, uh, you know, your architecture, your OS, all that stuff. Go through everything, spit out a runnable artifact at the end that you can put on your production server and, and you're good to go. The reason why I've actually stopped working on that was that GitHub Actions kind of came out of beta or maybe it just became public access. I'm not sure. But I actually started using that myself. I was kind of testing it out, seeing how it compared, you know, what lessons can I take away from it? And it became pretty quickly evident to me that I would not be able to build something that would work as well as GitHub Actions and in particular for my use cases. So if I can't build something that's going to do a better job than this or do something that it can't, it's hard to feel like that's something worth putting time into. So I kind of halted work on that. And honestly, I've never had any problems with GitHub Actions since then. So I haven't really picked it back up, which kind of, I mean, it kind of sucks to put your time in as a developer and and have something like that happen. But I learned a lot with that project and I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm more... I'm happy that there's something that I can use that's reliable, that someone else is going to maintain and that everyone else can use. You know, it's I found it to be a very good solution. And there's other 
services and options out there for this now too. So yeah, I, I think I'm I'm kind of going to spin down that Tapworks project. If you're an Elixir developer and you were really hoping for that, or you know, if you would really like to use that, get in touch with me on Twitter. You can reach me at Carter Bryden, and that's probably the easiest way to send me a message on there. And you know, maybe we can work something out. I thought about open sourcing it. There's just so much work to be done to make that at the quality I would want it to be to be open source. Like it was definitely built to be an MVP, and the code is very. Uh, rigid and structured that way and just not kind of the quality I I would necessarily want to put out as an open source project and would probably need some heavy rewriting to get there which I'm not sure that I have the uh, the time or the energy for but if someone else is interested in that you know I could I could consider handing that over as something you could you could either fix up or or you know maybe if you're working on something similar you can take some ideas from it or whatever you'd like so I, I spun that down. I also had my older project, a Forte Chat, which I've talked about kind of letting it idle in the past. I also officially spun that server down this year. That was a marketplace where if you're an expert or an enthusiast in something, you could make listings and basically sell your your help over video chat and it would set up or it would handle taking payments for you and paying you as a seller. It would schedule video chats and and you know you could do all the video chat on the website itself without needing to install anything that kind of stuff that one was was uh very fun to build very hard to get going as uh like an, an actual business or getting people to use it because you know because it's a marketplace you've got kind of the the chicken and an egg problem of having you need to have buyers to have sellers and you need to have sellers to have buyers and a lot of that stuff is kind of community building it's it's very at least in the beginning you know there's a lot of work that you need to do with people and sales and all of that and any any project like that's going to need some amount of sales this one i i knew it was going to take a lot and i just don't think i have the time the energy or the personality really is the key factor here to do that it would just be so much work to get that going and so I, I finally kind of spun that down. Not not very many people were using it. I don't think that it was even necessarily the best solution for a lot of people. So that, that's another one that I'll just kind of relegate to past projects and, and keep moving forward. So for a while, I wasn't really working on any side projects last year, which is partly why I wasn't recording any podcast episodes, but I was still having some project ideas. I created a few landing pages for some of them. And one of them that I'm particularly excited about because, you know, a lot of the time what I try to use as my kind of barometer for whether I want to do a project or not is, is this something that I really want to use myself? And this one is a online and cloud developer environment platform. So that one's at codebase.app, which right now is just a landing page for some early access sign up. I've been using things like Code Anywhere. You can find that at codeanywhere.com, which has been okay. It hasn't been really updated much in a long time. I think it was sold to someone else. And there's been like a number of like pretty serious problems in the last couple of years where like at one point, all of my developer environments would not load for about two weeks. So, I mean, obviously I have things saved in, in Git repos and version controlled and all that stuff. So I, you know, I could spin it up somewhere else, but that was 
really frustrating. And there have been other times where, you know, it'll go down and then I'll contact support. They'll get back to me maybe an hour or two later and say, oh yeah, that'll be back up tomorrow, which isn't really acceptable when this is how I make my living, at least for me. So I was thinking I wanted to build something like that where I could develop in the cloud still. Like I, I've talked about this before, but like I love cloud dev environments. Like they're so nice. You know, you get a lot of the the niceties of like running Docker on your own computer and things like that, where you can just spin up as many projects as you need. You can clone them. You can make them into templates as a starting point for new projects that are similar. There's just so many things you can do. But when it's in the cloud, you can also have things like done automatically SSL secured a URL for each project. You can access it through a browser IDE from any computer. So I can I can get off my desktop, which is what I normally program on, go and hop on my laptop at a coffee shop if I could still sit in a coffee shop, which I can't right now in Canada. And you know, the dev environment is exactly the way it was on the desktop, including, you know, what windows I had open, where my cursor was, all that stuff, which is really nice. I think the major problem that I've had with other providers is that they often try to use their own editor in browser and they create their own and it's never very good. Like Code Anywhere is, is like, they've, they've done an amazing job for having built an editor from scratch that can support like multiple languages, but it's nowhere near the quality of something like VS Code, which is what I normally want to use on a day-to-day basis. So like with Code Anywhere, I've just been connecting, like you can you can connect with SSH to each of your, your dev environments, which you know are like a container. Only those have been getting really slow lately too. So I'm not sure what they're using in the back end, but like it, it feels like it's been getting slower and slower. And I would connect uh, VS Code using like the remote tools. So I was kind of thinking like, well, why am I paying for this when it goes down it has lots of problems all the time i'm just not i'm not very happy with it but it's better than nothing and i like it better than local dev on my local computer partly because i work on so many different projects like even even with full-time employment now like my employer works on like we have dozens of projects that we work on and so having that you know if i had one project that i worked on every day that would be a little bit different on local like that. I could really set up some nice flows for that. But when I, you know, one hour I might be working on this thing and then the next hour I might be working on something completely different. You start missing a lot of those nice features of the the cloud dev environments. So I was thinking, okay, with Codebase, what I can do is I'll, I'll just manage the environments for people and let them, you know, basically provide nice ways for them to connect in with their own editors so, you know, a lot of these editors you can connect over SSH. You can, with VS Code, you know, they have their really good remote tools, which is what I use most of the time. And then there's also, like, because VS Code is open source and it can run in a browser, I could also potentially offer that as something where it's like a toggleable, like, you know, do you just want to use this in the browser? Okay, cool. We'll spin up VS Code's browser version for you for this container, this project. And uh, you can just use it in there, or you can connect you know, your your natively installed VS Code or or whatever PHP Storm or or WebStorm or whatever you editor you might use, as long as it can connect in over SSH, you're good to go. So that's something that I really want to build, but I I've put off because one of the first things I had to figure out was how am I going to connect and provide like these these URLs where someone you know if you have a web project 
and you want to be able to like preview it as you're building it, you need a URL. If you're local host, it would maybe be like you would, maybe you would set up some hosts so you could have your own like kind of little, you know, my project dot dev or dot local or whatever, or you just do local host, you know, as, as how you'd access it in a browser with these cloud environments, all the other providers would, or most of them, not all of them, but one of the best features is they give you this, this url that you can use for each project and sometimes you know like multiple for depending on you know if you want to have different ports and things open you can do a lot with that so i was trying to figure out okay how can i do that how do you how do you even offer like on-demand subdomains and how do you let people connect their own custom domains to things and then how am i going to automate SSL certificates for each of those because there's a lot of dev work that you can't do without an SSL certificate and i really you know with things like Let's Encrypt, like I don't really see the point in having self-signed certificates and, and stuff like that anymore if we don't have to. So that kind of sent me on a hunt and I was trying to figure out, okay, that's the first thing I kind of actually want to build with all this because if I can't do that, I can't really do this project very well. And so in trying to find that, I kind of realized like this, this is a service and a product all on its own. And so that kind of led me down the road of working on my current project, which I'm sure I'll be talking about some more, which is approximated. And you can find that on the internet at approximated.app. And so what approximated does is it gives you an API to route subdomains and custom domains to pretty much anything you want. So under the hood, what it's doing is, uh, so it's an Elixir application. And then under the hood, what it does is when you sign up, you can create uh, what we call a proxy server. Really, it's a reverse proxy server, but you know, just to keep things short and simple, we call it a proxy server. And right now I'm in early access with it with, with about 10 users. And so I've just been manually setting up these servers for them. But what the app does is it it actually manages it for you. So on each, each of these proxy servers, I'm running uh, a Caddy instance, which Caddy is, is a web server and I mean, it can do other things, but that's mainly what it's used for. Created by Matt Holt. So on Twitter, he's at mholt. And uh, it's open source. It's written in Go. And it's basically like a replacement or an alternative to things like Apache and Nginx. And Originally, I had planned to do this with Nginx, and I quickly realized that like it's really hard. Like I would have to create a file for each new domain name. I would have to use like Certbot or something like that to generate Let's Encrypt certificates. Which, first of all, Let's Encrypt has like very low limits for how many you can create in a week. It's like fifty or twenty-five or something like that, and so you start running into issues with that really fast. It just the flow was not good. It, it didn't really seem like it was designed to be used this way. And I was going to have to get like really low level and do some, some pretty hardcore programming that I wanted to avoid if I could. So I went looking around um, for an alternative to Nginx, found Caddy. Caddy v2, which is what it's on now, has uh, a JSON API that you can you can just like connect to with HTTP requests. By default, you can only do it from within the server you're on, which is good for security practices, obviously. And so what Approximated does is it spins up a server with a caddy instance on it, configures a bunch of stuff. And then when you need to connect a subdomain or you need to connect a custom domain, you can hit the Approximated API, tell it, you know, what 
the what the domain or subdomain is, where you want it to point to, what ports you want to use, a couple of other things, and there will be more settings in the future for people who want to use them. And then what it does is it goes and it it uh, manages the caddy server for you. So it, it updates the caddy server's virtual hosts. I have the caddy server set up to use on-demand TLS. So basically it doesn't try and generate an SSL cert until the first request comes in to that virtual host. And the reason for that is because we're not in control necessarily of the DNS for these domains. So, so for example, a, an example customer of approximated would be someone who has a SaaS app. They want to generate subdomains for each of their users, let's say, but they also want to let their own users point a custom domain at their subdomain and kind of like load it as you know, their own website, let's say. And so because their customer is in charge of their own DNS for that custom domain, we it's hard to know when you can actually do the verification challenges you have to do to generate an SSL cert. And so Caddy has this really nice feature where it waits till the first request comes in and then it does it really fast and generates that SSL cert only once it's actually resolving. And so what Approximated does is it, gets it gets an API call that says, okay, I want to point this domain at this server on these ports. Approximated will go tell the uh, the proxy server for that user to create the virtual host. And then it just it just kind of waits until the DNS resolves. And when the first request comes in, which approximated also, as soon as there's a virtual host, it creates all this monitoring that it does. And so it will actually try and resolve that that domain over and over until it gets through and it'll it'll provide details on like okay it's pointed at the wrong it's pointed at the wrong dns or it hasn't propagated or like we're getting an okay response but there's not the header that gets returned with approximated normally so we think it's actually pointed at the wrong server right now the dns is incorrect things like that and yeah it just it ends up working out as like a really nice way to be able to add that into your application without having to build it yourself you know approximated controls spins up and manages the uh, the proxy servers for you so that's really nice and easy. I do have a self-hosted option. So if you're someone who, you know, your application, you really don't want traffic going through someone else's server, which when you have a, a proxy server like that, it, it's all the traffic's going through it. You can still connect approximated. It can still manage your caddy instance on your server that you control. We just have to set up a few things and then it, it's kind of just like a nice automated management system for that. And so far Honestly, it seems like I've had way more success with this project than any other project in terms of people being interested in it, mainly from like front end developers who are developing some like really interesting products around like like website generation, static websites, things like that, where they're using things like Vercel, where Vercel is like this really great platform for hosting and, and you know, like kind of distributing your your front end or, or statically generated sites, but they have like hard limits on how many domains you can have. So if you're, if you have a SaaS product that is going to host things on, on Vercel and you want to have more than 50 customers, you know, this is a really good option for that. And so that's, that's actually where like a lot of my early access users have come from. It's just someone who's running into this issue, which approximated as far as I know is like the only solution that's dedicated to this particular problem where it's like, we will give you an API to handle this for you. 
and we'll manage everything. You just call the API. We'll give you the information that you can give to your users, you know, so that you can tell them where to point their DNS. And we'll make sure those requests get to your server. We'll monitor it for you, all that stuff. So that's kind of what I've been working on. I plan on using that with the code base project that I, I just talked about before so that I can spin up dev environment URLs for people, like subdomains probably first, and then I'll also let people have their own custom domains. So that's been a really awesome project. It's in terms of like Elixir details, it's using LiveView, which is pretty much what I use for everything in Elixir now. If I'm going to have a UI, it's just the easiest way to do something solo with Phoenix and Elixir, for me at least. And when I combine it with Tailwind, I don't have to really write any JavaScript. I don't really have to write any CSS. I can basically just write mainly Elixir and then like HTML in, you know, in the Elixir templates. So it's it's been really awesome. And then, you know, it makes SSH connections on the fly using just some basic SSH libraries that are in, in Elixir. It makes use of some of the DNS built-in stuff to Erlang to do some of the monitoring. And then, you know, a lot of it is just talking back and forth with the caddy instances themselves and managing that information, managing the state in the database so that I can kind of give the best information back to my users who need to pass that on to their own users. And so that's been really cool. And I've had that up and running. It's been working. I have people using it in production. One of the things that I'm looking to add in right away and that I'm working on right now is is actually CDN features. So one of the, the biggest downsides and trade-offs to using Approximated is that all your traffic has to go through this proxy server that we set up for you. And if you were using something like Vercel, normally they have their own CDN and it's globally distributed. They have it set up with Anycast DNS so that if a request comes in, it's going to go to the closest edge server to your user. It's going to be really fast. And like Approximated adds on single digit milliseconds to most of these responses. But if you're someone in, let's say, France, and you've set up a proxy server somewhere else in the world, or your users are in a country that's far away from where your proxy server is, they're just going to have that natural extra latency just because of the, the geographic distance. And there's not really a way to make that work with something like Vercel, where you know we get to use their CDN if we're going through this proxy server. So after looking at it for a while, I kind of figured out, okay, I'm going to have to actually offer CDN features myself. And not everyone will want that, so it needs to be toggleable. But I think I've actually come up with a good solution. I'm going to be kind of partnering up and using another CDN provider, and I'm going to have access to their API and be able to spin up basically CDN options for anybody who wants it on, on either their entire proxy server or just on certain domains. And Approximated will handle that for you to just be like an on-off kind of switch with some extra features to like clear the cache and stuff like that. And then the way that we're going to handle that is we're going to switch things over so that when we give back DNS information to, you know, approximated uh, users for, say, like a domain like you had, you know, test.com and you wanted that to point at your Vercel server, you the DNS information that we'd give back to tell them where to point their DNS would be to a C name that of an approximated subdomain. And then that subdomain in turn would point at the CDN. And then the CDN is loading everything from the proxy server initially. So what that ends up giving us is we still get all the benefits we would get from the, the proxy server. So we can point things at different stuff. We can add headers. We can transform things as we need to. We can do a bunch of cool things for people when they need it. But then it also is globally distributed. It's going to load from the closest server to you, all that stuff. 
And the nicest part about this is like all of that under the hood will just be sort of invisible. If you're a user of Approximated, you'll just, you can just toggle it on and suddenly it'll be served over a CDN or you can toggle it off and you're just going straight through the proxy server again. So that'll be really cool. I'm excited about that. That project, I still like, it's an early access, so I still haven't added like billing properly into it. If you want an extra proxy server, I have to set it up for you right now. Like everything's very manual on that stuff, but the actual product and service itself is where I'm spending like 99% of my time and that's getting pretty robust and, and, and really pretty good. So I'm, I'm quite happy with that. And so that, that's kind of, that's what I've been working on lately with that stuff. Once I have that in a good place, I'll probably start working some more on code base and integrating that in so that I can switch over my own dev environments to code base and stop using code anywhere, which again, right now I think is maybe one of the best options I can recommend out there. I used to use cloud nine. It got bought by AWS. It lost most of its like convenience features. And now you have to like, you know, it's like configuring anything on AWS. There's like IAMs and SAMs and all kinds of acronyms and a lot of like configuration that is difficult to parse. And you have to do that for every dev environment you want to set up. And when I have like, like I have like 60 dev environments for different projects and websites and things that I have to work on. So that's, that's a no go for me. So yeah, if you're looking for somewhere, something in the meantime, code anywhere might be okay for you. And then hopefully at some point I'll be able to offer you code base as well. And uh, we'll kind of see where that's going from here. I do kind of want to give a, a shout out to, you know, a couple of people that have been really, you know, good on this journey of like building things, either projects in the past or just in general. So one of those is Mark from Alchemist Camp. So, you know, I listen to his stuff. I've been following his stuff for a long time. He's he's always been like really friendly and and just like, a you know, a very supportive guy with a lot of these things. So uh, thanks, Mark. Matt Holt for creating Caddy and for being like just generally awesome with supporting open source and supporting people who are using Caddy. It's like a ton of work and he's been very responsive, even though I don't know how he keeps up with that stuff. So you can also sponsor him on GitHub, which I totally recommend. I do uh, because I'm building a product that uses his and makes money. So it only seems right to sponsor. And that sponsorship will grow over time as I use it more and more. And as I generate more revenue, hopefully with it, I'll be able to sponsor him with higher amounts. Uh, so I totally recommend that if that's something you're looking for is a good open source project to sponsor. Another one is is uh, my very first early access user for Approximated was Noah Bragg, who's working on Potion. So you can get that at addpotion.so. And so for instance... He's generating really fast websites from Notion pages. So it's basically you can convert your Notion pages into like these awesome like SEO, super performant websites and basically use Notion as your editor, which is super cool. He's been like incredibly helpful as an early access user. He's telling me what he's looking for, what needs to be better, very understanding with like progress and things like that. Just generally very helpful. He's helped bring in people and recommended, you know, to the right people who are trying to solve this problem. So thank you, Noah. That's That's been really awesome as well. And also I, I really like listening to Noah's and, and his co-host Ben's 
podcast, which is Product Journey. So I like listening to them every week too. So it's kind of cool listening to people who are doing similar things to what I'm doing. And that's why, you know, partly why I want to get back on here is just there's not as many podcasts out there where it's just someone working on something as there used to be. A lot of the ones I listen to, they're kind of well into their business. And now there's not a lot of talk about like, oh, what are they doing? And like the problems they're having and because naturally, as, as things get further along, you know, you don't necessarily want to be publicly speaking about a lot of things. You don't necessarily have as many like technical problems. It becomes a lot more about like managing people or, or other things. And what I'm interested in is stuff like Product Journey, where I get to kind of just follow along with building this thing and see what they're up to and what's hard and what they're struggling with, because I'm doing the same stuff. If you're interested in podcasts like that, definitely go check theirs out. That's very cool. Check out Matt Holt at mholt on Twitter and on GitHub. Check out alchemist.camp with Mark and all those people are awesome people to follow on all the different things. So I think that's going to be it for today. Hoping to start doing some more episodes. I always say that, so no promises on when those will be, but I'm, I'm hoping to do them a lot more regularly and kind of excited to be back again. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next time.